Good morning and happy new year. Twenty-three. <laughs> whole new year, maybe marginally better. All of us, right? Can't say whole new because there's not anything wrong with anybody. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I, I don't know if I'm. I'm not feeling brave enough to be hopeful <laughs> after the last few years. All right, well, we're at 8.30, so let's call this meeting to order. Um, call the meeting, the special alcohol, tax, special alcohol tax advisory committee meeting to order at 8.30. Our first agenda item is a discussion of the staff memo regarding the special alcohol funds. Did everybody have a chance to, to peruse the, the memo that Brandon had sent out? And, and was there any questions or comments that they might have for they want to discuss or have for, for staff. Actually, before I do that, Brandon, do I need to do like a roll call or do I, we have a quorum? I guess we have four members here, so we do have a quorum, right? Yes, that's correct, Chris. Okay. So no need for this, Chris. No need for a roll call or anything since we have a quorum. I, yeah, I think you're good to go. You're good to proceed. Fantastic. All right. So, anybody have any comments or, or questions for staff or, or discussion amongst the, the committee members regarding the, the memo on the provided by staff? Um, I, Brandon, would you be willing to just go over that memo? Sure. Um, kind of talk through it with the group. Sure. Yes. Um, happy to do that. The uh, so the memo was prepared um, in response to concerns from board members about the legality of the special alcohol fund, um, and just just to make sure we're all all kind of share the same understanding of the city budget. Um, uh, municipalities in Kansas budget by fund. So special alcohol fund, when I say that, I'm talking about a segmented um, single fund, one of um, a couple dozen different funds, uh, such as the general fund or the utilities fund. Um, and so I, so the, the concern was um, related to uh, interpretation of city code and um, specifically the code uh, that addresses the uh, Special Alcohol Fund Advisory Board. Um, those of you uh, serving on the board in this capacity um, and the use of special alcohol funds for uh, various city departments um, for the city department's operating budget. Um, and so I know that has been an ongoing conversation. I've not been involved in it uh, for the entirety of the last year and a half, two years. Um, but I am, I tried to get up to speed on that and just provide um, sort of just a fact-based analysis of the city code uh, and in, in my finding in the city attorney's finding uh, the budget, we don't have any concerns about the legality of the budget. Um, it it uh, is compliant with city code. Um, ultimately, uh, the, the city code that does address uh, the Special Alcohol Fund Advisory Board. Um, it does designate the final decision-making um, authority with the city commission, uh, and it provides a number of different uh, examples of appropriate uses for special alcohol funds. Um, some of those, I think, naturally 
would be used by city departments. And I did cite um, one example, uh, which would be um, law enforcement or municipal court purposes. Um, obviously, we're, we're not going to contract out law enforcement. We're most likely not going to contract out most municipal court services, um, although we do some um, like in, indigent defense uh, and some other types of contractual services through municipal court. Um, and so uh, basically, I, I know that doesn't resolve um, the issue about uh, uh, potential changes to the scope of the advisory board. I wasn't trying to get into that. I think that's really more of a conversation to be had between um, the advisory board and the city commission rather than staff um, in inserting our um, opinion or our uh, theories about that. And so just tried to stick to uh, fact-based analysis of the ordinance and address that concern about the legality of um, the special alcohol fund expenditures for 2022 and 2023. So happy to follow up with any questions if there are any. I think this is Chris. I think the important if part- If you guys can hear me, I'm working on trying to get in on audio. I can't, it doesn't seem to be working. I'm gonna zoom out and zoom back in. We can hear you, Dorothy. I think the uh, this is Chris. The important piece of that I that I take out of all this is you know we we never we never questioned the the transitioning to a housing initiative on this that we were very supportive of of the usage of that is just making sure that the that there was a direct connection to the what the ordinance said about you know, prevention of, of drug and alcohol abuse and the memo I think provides a clear clear picture of how the city is utilized, is seeing the usage of those funds. And, and there is, you know, section two, I think two G, where it says all other, and you cited it in your memo, all other, you know, activities that the city uh, views as, as, as a way to, to I, I should probably say it's clear, any program that board determines to discourage, prevent, or intervene and address issues related to alcohol and drug abuse, I think is a broad enough spectrum to say that the housing initiatives that the city is doing this does fall under that i think it's still always just process and procedure of i know the, the budgeting process historically has been you know we're listing out all of the the organizations that are part of the budget and then i switched to where the eight hundred thousand is what's being approved by the city commission from a funding perspective and then the, the, the departments are then making the decision in a less open forum um less transparent way of, of how those funds are being approved and applied for and, and distributed. Um, but again, that's kind of a process thing. So um, yeah, I, I appreciate the, I appreciate the letter and some of the clarity and um, I'm glad that we have, we're all on the same page. I think still process and procedure is something that we want to make sure that we have that discussion about moving forward. But um, yeah, I think that's all I have. Anybody else have anything else? Daniel B. Smith, yeah, I, Chris, I appreciate you saying the word transparency because I feel like that's probably going to come up quite a bit. I feel like that's probably a large component of this. Um, I do feel like as far as us looking at the, the actual wording of the ordinance and trying to determine whether the current procedure is living up to that expectation, um, I know that there's a couple of things being bounced around, one of which is is the idea um, of, you know, I think 30 some percent uh, going specifically to um 
prevention. Um, and I, I agree with you, um, as you just said, I think that a lot of what we're seeing here definitely does meet that. Um, to me, the thing that sticks out as being the, the sort of procedural, um, potentially the procedural misstep, um, as far as I remember, is that the ordinance specifically says that, that we're supposed to be, the Special Alcohol Funding Advisory Board is supposed to be consulted um, before allocating funds to organizations. And it does say that the city can freely allocate those funds to, um, you know, city departments. Um, I'm just looking at this memo in front of me, though, and it's listing a bunch of fantastic organizations that, that are not city departments. And I think that's really what's confusing is, you know, saying that the city can allocate these funds um, without our input to city departments is one thing. But I think that I think that allocating those funds to a city department to then reallocate to a non-city entity seems like that is you know obviously there's you, know, you have to interpret and you know there's, there's people whose whole jobs is doing that that sort of thing but to me it seems like the intention of the ordinance is that you know if these funds are going to leave the city and go to an outside organization then you know it's expected that we would vet them or um, hear out their proposals and make sure that 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 is um, an allocation that that we we would we would at least advise. Obviously, we have no we have no actual power to approve anything, but we would give our input and, and advise that. And uh, and all of the organizations that are listed here. I've said this every time we've ever met. All the organizations that are listed here are are great, and we probably do approve of them in general. And you know, who knows? We might have even made a, a similar recommendation. Um, but it does seem like the ordinance, as it's written, specifically is you know my interpretation is that um, if the funds are going to leave the city and go to an outside organization then we're supposed to at least have the opportunity to say something um you know at least give our give our input and also honestly have i think you know mandy's brought it before the, have that process for them to apply so that you know it's a little bit more equitable as far as who is being heard because i mean if we only ever give funding to the organizations we know about we're never going to learn about any organizations we don't already know about and it creates sort of a, a sealed ecosystem um so i think that i think that to me that is the issue not necessarily the 30 percent um that that part of it but the idea that the city it should not be allocating funds to outside organizations you know internally you know if if the housing initiatives to you know department internally is going to be doing something with that money then i think that by all means the city to, by my interpretation, the city is free to do that. But when we're looking at, um, you know, like the community shelter, um, which is not a city department, to me, before funding goes to them, that's that's the, the juncture at which you know we're allowed to throw throw our two cents into the the wishing well. So, I joined this. I joined this group uh, when we apparently became obsolete. <laughs> and <laughs> so I think my biggest concern as a citizen is somebody who wants something done, not just about I want something done to help the homeless, to help, but mostly drug addiction or any kind of, of abuse. And I'm just wondering how, what is the how do you, you give these funds to people, but how is there follow through? Are you seeing what they're doing? Are you seeing if it's making an, uh, a dent in this problem? That's what I'm most, I'm really concerned about that because 
if you if they're not if you give them money, you can throw money at lots of things, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen. <laughs> and I don't know whether I don't know how the city does it uh, with the homeless funds that are going out. And I'm not since I wasn't here before. I don't know if we did it too. I don't know if we had a follow through on those who we who we had recommended to get the grants. I think that's a perfect question, Dorothy, and it, it really gets to the heart of how how this all started. Um, and without getting too far into the history, you know, we were er, early on, the justification for eliminating our role was um, that the outcomes that these agencies were reporting, the way we were um, sort of evaluating their performance didn't align with the strategic plan goals. So that was one of the, the pieces of rationale that they, the city staff used. Um, and that we weren't actually evaluating things in the way at the, at the level that they wanted. So they were saying our level of evaluation wasn't good enough. And then the process has evolved into one with no oversight, no evaluation, no outcomes, no reporting. Um, so I really appreciate that question. Brandon. Um, yeah, I can. I can address that. Uh, we have contracts for services. And so, um, you know, part, I think part of this transition has been more of a, of a grant uh, process uh, where the board recommends, um, you know, it, it essentially what are, what are grants to some of these external agencies to perform the work that they propose uh, should be performed. Um, and a lot of that, I think, in the past was probably based on the missions of those agencies uh, who were um, who were proposing uh, those grants, uh, and what what we're doing now? Um, and, and I I will say uh, it is common for city of Lawrence or really any um, municipal government to uh, procure services uh, through through contracts, and we we have a um, very robust uh, procurement policy, purchasing policy. Um, and we, and as especially as a uh, local government, uh, we are um, you know, bound by certain requirements uh, for transparency and competitiveness um, and other other considerations for uh, purchasing. So, um, you know, it, it may not be uh, transparent in the way that the the public or the advisory board is discussing it in a public forum and making decisions about it but our um our procurement processes uh do have to meet uh, some pretty stringent expectations for transparency um and so anyway the um the contracts that we have with these agencies really are designed uh for more specific outcomes um and those outcomes really are motivated by uh, some of our key performance indicators that was that were developed during the strategic planning process, um, and that is how uh, we hope the community evaluates our organization by by the um, ability to move the needle, if you will, on some of those key performance indicators. Um, and, and, Can I and, interject real quick, please? My apology if that's inappropriate for me to interject, but I don't think anyone's challenging the um, this again, Kim Johnson, 
I don't think anyone's challenging the um, long dialogue of explanation of how the state and or city have to follow specific guidelines for contracting. I believe that, and, and, you know, sometimes we can get a little winded when we're trying to justify why this city or state do certain things, but I, no one's challenging that. What we're asking is, um, and again, I just want to hug Daniel for saying the word transparency. All we're asking for is, Brandon, what are the outcomes, right? You paid a significant amount of money for outcomes and, what are they? Sheltering and uh, no, no, case management. Sorry, I'm very sorry again for interrupting. I don't want the, the, if you pay for research, then what you get from research and outcomes is you get measurables. And measurables are not refrigerator, oven, stove. They are 29 refrigerators 14 stoves, 15 microwaves. What are the measurable outcomes? Where is a um, graph showing the outcomes of the money allocated to an agency to measure? That's what we want. Understood. I used to be a teacher. I'm a retired teacher. Well, actually, I'm still teaching. But anyway, um, I look at um, at the um, I, it's called planning backwards. And you look at what you want to have happen. This is the goal. And then you have all these steps to make it happen. And I guess part of it is what are the goal to me is part is what is the goal? I mean, I know the goal would be ideally to have no homeless and get everybody off of drugs, but I'm just wondering that that's, that's what I'd like to see here. You know, does that make sense? <laughs> and that's what I was trying to explain is that we have contracts that do spell out um, service level expectations. So I apologize for the long-winded response. I was just trying to address um, a number of different concerns that were expressed. So, uh, Danny, do you do you have the contracts you want to? Um, well, Danny Walters with the Housing Initiatives Division. Um, I was not prepared with the contracts or that information for this meeting, um, but I can say that the contracts do have measurables in there. There is a report that is due to us on those measurables in February that, that will be shared out with commission and with the boards. Um, and I will say that something that's a little bit different is I feel like before there was a lot of dependency on kind of that final annual report that was submitted. But, um, you know, for instance, in the case of Burt Nash, our staff is doing ride-alongs with Burt Nash. Our staff is in those meetings with Burt Nash. We are we are walking hand in hand in a partnership with them through the entire thing. We're just not allocating funds and saying, "Cool, we'll talk to you in February." That's that's definitely not not the approach that we've taken. Um, we're 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 trying to 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 look at this issue and and look at what we're doing here holistically and and how it impacts the entire system. So. 
Again, I, I apologize. I, I came prepared with the ARP information. I didn't pull the contracts for for this this meeting, but but yes, I I, I can assure you there there are measurables. There are you know definite um, definite uh, focus on on what we are getting for the funding. And okay. with that, I hope this is Kim Johnson, and thank you for that extra um, iteration. Um, what date is this report due to you? Um, if I remember right, I believe it is February 15th. Okay. Is the and is this the final report or is this the initial report for you to review, ask questions, and then them to go back and fill in any details? I, it, it, it definitely can function in both capacities. Um, it's it's their final report well, to have you received a report to date, or is this the first report that you'll be receiving? This will be the first report that we're receiving. Okay. Yeah. So it'll be the report that you can review and... Absolutely. Um, yeah. Sorry, I'm in research 25 years, and so <laughs> that's why I have the research hat on in this equation. Yeah, um, and then the ride-alongs and all of this additional information that, you're, that you just stated, um, again, no one's challenging that these things are happening. I think that this is the first time we've heard about ride-alongs, right? So we just, you know, as the, the advisory committee, we're just trying to benefit the community equally as much as you guys are. We're just trying to do it with the lens of transparency. Daniel B. Smith, I also wanted to, you know, going back to the, just the discussion of process, obviously as transparency, um, but but just the the process and, and honestly for, for me, and I feel like a lot of us in these, discussions previously you know we've we've talked about just us as advisory board members just trying to fulfill our duties that that we we signed up for um uh and, and i think one of the things and again i'm very much not a lawyer um but one of the things reading over um you know talking about the city's ability to allocate funds um I, I totally agree with Brandon what you're saying earlier that the city is within within you know is able to 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 do that as, as it wishes. To me, the thing that's that that is sort of a, a wrench in that is that this the city itself is are the ones who created the ordinance to to um, create this advisory board, and and within that, it says that if this if the city wants to allocate these funds to outside organizations, we have to be allowed to, to, uh, to talk about it. So to me, that's the, the thing. And, and like, when we've talked in these meetings previously, you know, the city is also within its ability, you know, or, or power to, to change that ordinance, um, you know, to do all these things. But I feel like we're, we're in a situation where the ordinance hasn't been changed. And so it, it seems like we're still supposed to give input on external funding allocations prior to that going forward. Um, so, and that could be changed obviously, but it seems it, it wasn't changed and, it, and maybe eventually it will be, but it seems like things are kind of ahead of, you know, the implementation seems like it's ahead of, of the changes to the, the process. The process needs to be, to be updated so um, to match what the, the city wants to do. Um, before before going forward and it's just it feels at least to me like the the current way the process is being carried out doesn't necessarily match with the way it's written down that it's supposed to go forward um and and again you know that could change but it seems just seems like 
things have kind of hastily been, you know, we're already on to the new the new process before actually changing the written word of, of how it's supposed to to be. And, and honestly, um, you know, I brought this up before uh, that you know all of us are are here voluntarily. Um, and uh, you know, it's, this isn't a, a monthly meeting. It's only, you know, it's not not super frequent. But um, you know, I don't know how long it's been that that we've we've been meeting since we actually um, gave any advice advice to the city commission on how to allocate uh, the the these funds. So uh, we've talked about the the process and allocation of funds a lot. But um, as far as actually doing the thing that that we were asked to do, we haven't. I haven't done much of it in, in quite a long time. Um, and, and it's been, and honestly, it's been a long time uh, before, since we've, you know, started asking questions that we, we even gotten any answers as, as to why. Um, and, and uh, you know, I think that if, if we were given an opportunity to give input on the process, um, as the ordinance sort of implies we, we should, you know, it's possible we would have just recommended the exact same course of action that the city's taken. Um, I don't think that there's actually much, you know, all the organizations that are receiving funding are organizations that, that we believe in. And I, I, I totally agree. They all make huge impacts um, in especially, you know, even specifically in, in this, this area of around housing. Um, so it just, to me, that the, the, the lingering question is if, if we are on the same page as far as the impacts these organizations have and would likely have recommended at least a similar level of funding, if not, you know, the exact same course of action that the city's taken, then it, it seems like, you know, there's really no reason why we couldn't have just been asked to give input, especially since our input can always just be ignored completely. <laughs> so it seems it just seems kind of kind of uh silly that that we're just being skipped over um for for no reason, even though we we have no actual we have no actual power. So on a lot of really important points with the timeline and our role um, and the history. So, you know, I I joined this group in March of 2021. And so I know from at least back until then to, to that date, we haven't done any grant making. Um, we reviewed the RFP and the report and all that. Um, but Brandon, you are inheriting, I think that really this started about May of 2021, where the board has really just been kind of jerked around. Um, and I agree with Dan that I'm not sure that we would even be at this place right now. If like since, since this was announced in August when those budget conversations um, went public. Um, well, I guess in July too, there's that, there's an, a commission meeting, but um, when we start started talking about that 2022 budget, this board started getting excuse after excuse and promise and this statement and this accusation nonstop. And every meeting was, well, we don't know, we don't know, we don't know. Um, and this is all stuff that you're inheriting um, that you weren't part of. So I hope you don't get too frustrated with us coming at you with a year and a half's worth of our own frustrations that you weren't here for. Um, and 
to go back to the reporting thing, you know, like one of the first accusations that we received was that our reports didn't align with the strategic plan, the reports that we had, the outcomes that we had the agencies report on. Those were written before the strategic plan came out. And I can't imagine that the city manager didn't understand that, you know? So it really felt like we were being thrown under the bus as an underperforming board. That felt very strategic. Um, and so it, it just really set the tone from the beginning of uh, mistrust, you know? So, so we have the timeline um, and we have all of this history here that, that has brought us to this point. And it is, I don't want to dismiss it. I, I do feel like we need to answer these questions, um, but I do just want to acknowledge that uh, for your sake, that we do know that you weren't here for that. And like a big piece of it this whole time, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I, my memory isn't great. But like I said in my email to you, Brandon, I believe that was the very first time that we were able to get the city to say homelessness direct services is in alignment with the use of the alcohol tax funds. Mm -hmm. It is alcohol tax, alcohol and drug abuse prevention and treatment. And like, you know, like we can't say that for the city. Like I can't give you that language. I can't give the city manager that language to say back to us so we can say, okay, then we've done our job. You know, like I need the city to say that to us. And it like, why is that hard? Why didn't that happen? I mean, you could have set up for the DECA funds, the 600,000 that went to DECA. That could have been alcohol tax money. And just say like, that literally is alcohol and drug abuse treatment for people who need housing. Like it's a perfect alignment, but we can't like serve that to the city on a silver platter. The city, we we just wanted the city from the beginning to come to us with like honesty and transparency. And we just kept being told that we weren't doing our job and being gaslit, you know? So, so that's how we kind of got to this point. This is Chris. Nick. Has everybody everybody's had an opportunity to speak, Tim? Tim, is there anything that you would any any comments or questions for staff as it relates to the memo? I I think it's been pretty well laid out. Um, uh, so no, I don't have any comment right now. Perfect. Uh, the only thing I only question I have, and, and Brandon, is there is the spreadsheet that staff had put together? Is that I didn't see that in in the document or the, the packet of information as part of the agenda. Is that something that we that we can make public? Is that is that appropriate to do? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. Yes, I, I think we could probably uh, either modify this agenda or um, figure out some other way of publishing it so it's associated with uh, with the board's materials. Okay. Because you do mention it in the memo. So I think it I think it's um, Yes, you know, spending that it, it's a value to see kind of how it was, how we have spent it um, to date. Um, yes. The one, the one question I had as it relates to it um, is, and it, is it is it appropriate if we can pull that up on the screen? Is that appropriate to, to do at this point? I can I can pull it up. Yes. Okay. Sorry to put you on the spot like that. No, that's just fine. <laughs> Thank you. 
Okay, are you seeing the memo now, Chris? Yeah. Okay, great. This is not the best view, but I can't get that thumbnail on the side to go away. Sorry. Three dashes at the top left. There we go. Thanks, Kurt. What I was hoping to see is that spread the spreadsheet that you you would oh the spreadsheet. For. I'm sorry. Okay, <laughs> give me just a moment. I didn't mean to cut anybody off. If anybody else had anything further to say, feel free to do it as he's pulling that up. I just want to kind of make sure that we're respecting everybody's time and everybody had a, a chance to um, speak. I, I hope you'll cut me off sooner in the future. I get <laughs> okay, Chris, can you see the spreadsheet now? Yep, I can. Does everybody else? Okay. Everybody can see that? <laughs> I, I just wanted to make sure that as, we, as we've talked about this, we've mentioned you know, Burton Ash receiving funding and just wanted to make sure this is is something that everybody's seen. Um, the question I have is that we've, we've got a good breakdown of the project totals here, um, 554 and what's encumbered, and I get that. Um, at the top, we have total expended, but it's not kind of, it's not it's not matching what the project totals are. So is that is it fair to say that the difference between these two is what was been utilized for, for internally in cities, part of the city budget or city staff time to, to manage um, these contracts and do the ride-alongs and and manage the contracts. This is Danny Walters. I apologize. That appears to be a math error on my part. Um, I originally thought that more money had been spent for the um, support site and winter emergency shelter, and I fixed it in the um, in the body of it, but it did not carry up. Um, it wasn't an automatic fill, but the amount moving forward is is the correct amount. Gotcha. And the yeah. amount spent that 554, 324 is the correct amount. None of these particular funds went um went to administering these programs. So okay. and the and the budget allocation for next year. Is as the memo mentioned was eight hundred and forty three thousand. Um, has has staff come to a contractual agreements with they say these same organizations um, related to utilization of those funds? That is that is something that we are currently working through. We. Um, we are, are taking a, a very strong look at those agreements and what those performance measures and metrics are that, that we need to see to, to see how we're moving the needle in this space. So, so that, that is still something that we are working through. And, and yeah, Chris, I, I might jump in just real quick and if, if that's okay and just add to yeah. Danny's comments. Um, you know, I think one of the challenges with spending the full uh, appropriation in 2022 uh, was that we were also creating um, and, and filling and trying to recruit for um, two really critical positions 
uh, a, a project manager and a um, system coordinator. And so that was in response to the KU uh, CPPR study um, that identified a number of different uh, needs of capacity development in the continuum of care uh, here locally in Douglas County. And uh, so those positions, I think we onboarded Cicely and Jen um, in late May, June uh, timeframe. Danny, correct me if, if I'm way off on that, but okay. generally, yeah. And so uh, what we had anticipated was, um, you know, at least 10 months of the year, we would have uh, experts filling those positions and really being able to get to work on the capacity development in the system with with uh, provider agencies. But we ended up what we ended up getting was only really, you know, six or seven months of that, of that well, six, five or six months of that. And I uh, and um, like Danny said, we, we did uh, go out to market to try to um, uh, get providers under contract to uh, run sheltering and support site operations and were unsuccessful uh, getting responsive uh, proposals for that, which I think is just yet another indication that there's a lot of additional capacity development that is needed within our um, providers here locally. And so uh, when Danny says she's working on contracts and working on um, you know identifying appropriate service levels, really a lot of that work I think is is trying to ramp up, um, increase the amount of services that are available in our community for um, this population in particular. And so, you know, that is that is hard work. Um, we have a lot of smaller nonprofits in our community um, that maybe don't have the same capacity that you would find in uh, Jackson County or Sedgwick County or, you know, some of the other larger uh, communities in Kansas or in the Midwest. And so it's not like, uh, some of these agencies can just all of a sudden scale up um, and we have the capacity to, to serve 300 people um, with uh, with um, complex needs. And so so I think there's still it's it's some iterative work, uh, capacity development work. Um, but I do I, I do see us with within 2023 really getting a much better feel for uh, how to um, work with those agencies to increase the capacity. Johnson, Chris, may, oh, go ahead, Chris. Listen, I, I wasn't really questioning 2022 spinning. I know we were building. I, right. Yeah. We were building. We were building the airplane as we were flying a little bit. 2020. Exactly. On that though, I think this connects really well to Dan's. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think this does connect really well to what Dan was saying about the timeline. And this board from the the very beginning of this conversation has said, hey, we don't even have a needs assessment yet. We don't know what we're doing. We don't have a plan. So what if we had a whole year of transition for these agencies and say like, hey, this is the last year we're doing this funding, then we're going to transition to this. Or how about we wait and make final decisions after we get this needs yeah. assessment? How about we know what we're doing? And again, it's a year and a half later and the funds aren't spent. You know, like the, these, this is funny that these agencies could have used for prevention work. Yeah. And, and the city staff took took the money and we haven't, and it hasn't been able to even be spent. There, there's no plan. There still isn't a strategic plan for these funds. And it's a lot of money. It's not just the, the 800 from our board, you know, like this is a big deal. And just, it's, it's really hard 
to, to watch it happen. I mean, we, we know in August, we were like, hey, how about we have a plan before we start doing this, you know? And then to watch yeah. watch a year and a half later, we aren't seeing the results. I I understand. Um, and and I, I, I want to honor that frustration. I, I really do. And so, but I, I do want to just offer a little bit of context, which I think the board is aware of, um, but uh, some of this really may be, be some of the challenge I think is rooted in the timing of the budget. And, uh, you know, the state state statute um, spells out that timeline for us. And so, you know, we start budgeting early, very early in the year for a budget that won't actually, we won't start spending out of it for another, you know, 10 months. And so uh, that's not an, it's not an excuse. Um, it doesn't make up for the frustration and the communication challenges between staff and the board. Um, but I think, you know, it, it, it makes the change process difficult when, when you don't uh, budget on the calendar year, you budget, uh, or you budget on the calendar year, but you have to put that budget together, you know, 10 to 12 months in advance. This is Kim Johnson. Can you hear me okay? I think yes. a lot of the agencies serve experience that same timeline. Um, and Brandon, would you say that maybe those timeline struggles wouldn't have been an issue if the board hadn't been eliminated from the process? Because that would have given the city the flexibility to to reimagine how these funds are used outside of the budget approval timeline and that the really having to push this forward and make the decision before we had all the information we need. And I say we as like a community, not as a board. Um, that that was what caused the timeline issues, like putting it in a city department and moving it right. out of the purview of this board is the cause of the timeline issues. So it can't be also an excuse for the timeline issues. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and I would say, um, the, the motivation in the city with the city manager's recommended budget for 2022 and 2023 was the motivation wasn't to exclude the board. It was to drive funding to uh, homelessness response services. And so I do, I agree. I think we share that goal. Um, and so I think, you know, hindsight 2020, uh, there were different ways that we could have approached that. And I think it would have made for a more effective relationship. This is Chris and Kim. Kim had had something that she wanted to wanted to say. So I want to give Kim opportunity, and then and then I I I want to I want to honor the frustrations that we have, like Brandon said. But I do want to try to find a way to move forward with this because it has been a year and a half. We are relitigating stuff that Brandon wasn't part of. Um, and I'd like to try to find start looking solutions based on like what it what is a solution that we as a board can be. And how are we going to do that? And it might not be this meeting, but maybe it's the next meeting. But I want to respect everybody's time, and we still have a presentation for the ARPA money that we, we've got to get through. Um, so I don't want to cut anybody off, but I, I do want to kind of try to, to try to move forward with what's the next right steps going for for this board and for us working city staff as it relates to this money. So Kim, floor is yours finally. Thank you. I'm mute, Kim. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Number one, I that's exactly what I was trying to say, how ironic. 
but number one is I think um, Brandon, you know, clearly thank you. Um, but the difference is with what I think everyone's trying to say is you guys work for the community. You work for the city. We work in the city. And that's why we're trying to share our lens. Number two is during our meeting today, are we going to discuss that balance and how it should be allocated? This is Chris. Um, I think that balance is still, has still been, and Brandon can correct me if I'm wrong here, but the balance of those funds, that full $800,000 800, was, was part of the housing initiative department or the housing department. So it's still within the purview of the housing department in terms of the distribution of those funds. But going back to, to what um, we discussed earlier is whether whether that's something we want to, how we want to do that moving forward. If it's going outside of the city, then interpretation of whether whether we should be able to still be part of that process and make recommendations or not, I think that's still up, up for up for the debate. So the 224, as I see it, is still part of the original 800 that's part of the housing department purview. Um, and same with the 843 for 2023. Um, right. I, I have, I agree. Sorry, I have one other question as it relates to this, but. Well, this is Kim Johnson. Brandon, can you um, confirm or not that that money is going to set in housing, the overage, and if it is going to set in housing, why? Yes, I, I agree with Chris's response. It is um, anticipated to be spent in this year, 2023. And really, I think um, a lot of it we were hoping to already have spent. Uh, we're laying the groundwork for spending that. Um, it was just a matter of timing. And so, uh, but I think I offered in the last meeting um, and the offer still stands. And I think we'll probably just try to do this proactively, but as we develop additional contracts and, and um, are able to advance spending plans for these funds, uh, we will share those, we're, you know, we're happy to share those with the board. So I know that's not, you know, that's not the, the process uh, that's, that the ordinance calls for, but um, we're happy to share those with the board. Uh, my, my question that I, so this is Chris, my, my, my other question I had as it relates to the spending of this, um, Lawrence Community Shelter had historically be paid out, had been historically paid out of the general fund, if I'm if I'm correct. Um, and I know this is just a second half payment. So is is the anticipation moving forward that the Lawrence Community Shelter allocation that's approved by the board would be spent out of the special alcohol tax advice, special alcohol tax, you know, eight hundred eight hundred forty three thousand moving forward, and it and it's full capacity, not necessarily the second half allocation. Right. Yeah. Great question, Chris. I think really that uh, is going to come down to city commission um, direction and what their goals are for the budget. You know, part of the challenge that we were facing the last two years is uh, we knew we needed to, and we knew there was a policy uh, expectation to increase, you know, substantially increase funding and services uh, for homeless response, homelessness response, uh, but at the same time maintain a flat mill levy. Um, which is, you know, one of the one of the primary sources of the general fund, and so uh, you know, part of the reason for using special alcohol funds was was a result of looking at the full uh, picture of the budget and trying to identify what funds would be, you know, legally and appropriately used for 
um, homelessness response. So I can't speak specifically about what will happen through the 2024 budget. The city commission uh, has a number of different options that they can consider and choose from. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I know that they're going to want to hear probably the advisory board and, and the community's input as they uh, review those options. So, um, I, I think that's a little bit high in the sky that they'd want to hear the opinion of the advisory board. Um, but I thanks for bringing up that LCS money, Chris. Um, so I help me understand this, Brandon. So once the money, any money in the housing department, that budget, that spending, the only time the commission touches that is in the annual budget approval, right? Like after that, the the housing department doesn't have to go to back to the commission um, for approval on any spending. Uh, that's not accurate. Actually, the uh, the contracts do go back to the city commission and the city commission actually um, every week, uh, one of the first actions on their agenda is the approval of claims. Um, you know, claims being money that we've committed uh, for purchase of goods and services. Uh, and so, but specifically, um, you know, the Lawrence Community Shelter contract has been discussed on a couple of occasions um, by the city commission here in the last year. So they're they're watching that contract in particular, um, as well as the, I, I believe the Burton Ash contract has also been on there. Okay, cool. I, that's kind of hard for me to understand because I, I feel like when yeah. I was trying to follow that ARPA money, it said that the housing department budget doesn't have to, their spending doesn't have to go through commission. Um, but so the contracts would be separate. Um, so thinking about the LCS money, that that's like, that's contracted, that's a whole separate thing. So moving it to this, what, what is, what are the repercussions of moving that money to this? part of the budget, the alcohol tax funds. Um, I'm not sure of repercussions. I guess what what we were trying to accomplish through the budget um, was to increase funding uh, for homelessness response services while also maintaining a flat mill levy. And so that, uh, so, you know, it, it helped accomplish that result. And, and maybe I'm not understanding the question, Mandy. So sorry if I didn't answer. No, it no, it's I'm I'm not. I don't know um, exactly what what maybe I'm trying to figure out. It just seems it, because the LCS has been talked about a lot and been made to, you know, I think most organizations when there's a contract signed that they're going to get this amount of money. Um, they don't have to come back and advocate for that money multiple times a year. So it just, I just wonder why it was moved in the context right. of that, but that's really, oh. was, if there's not a simple answer, we don't have time for it. So um, I'll put it on the back burner. Well, actually, I think I, I, think I probably can uh, respond directly to that. Uh, the uh, Originally earlier in, in 2022, uh, the housing initiatives team did bring the full contract uh, to the city commission and the city commission actually um, they had quite a bit of discussion and they decided to only authorize I believe 50% of the contract and then LCS uh, would have to come back mid-year 
and have another discussion with the city commission before they would authorize uh, the second half of that contract. And that did occur. Uh, I think the first discussion was was last spring. Second discussion was later in the summer. Right. Yeah. Um, so sorry that was yeah. off track. Anybody else have any any further questions that relates to the, the, the spreadsheet here that shows the spending? If not, I, I I know we don't have an approval or anything like that. But I would just ask that you know let's make add this as part of the agenda or however we can make this public. Just make sure, as Danny mentioned, maybe update that top line to ensure that we've got the right number on there um, before we before we publish that. I, I do actually have a question, and it might be a big question, and I realize the time is, is an issue, but, um, you know, and Mandy kind of referenced this earlier, but I, I am curious looking at this, um, you know, for folks who have been been around long enough that we have, they were on a part of the group when we were actually, actually making recommendations, uh, I, I am curious how this compares to those, those previous um this, this previous budgets, especially both in the organizations that are being funded, but then also just the amount spent, because it, it does seem like the amount out of what was allocated here, there's there's a pretty big gap in, in the actual spending, which, I mean, to me, I mean, some of that's normal, it's, it's always going to happen, but I do also feel like um, you know, when a process is, is followed more, more smoothly and, and there, people are given, you know, sort of, um, I mean, sometimes when you, when you drop money in someone's someone's lap, they don't necessarily have a, a perfect way to, to spend it. And some, um, so, uh, to me, that that goes to the question of process. And I'm, I'm wondering if, in years prior, when folks were submitting RFPs and having uh, you know advisory board input prior to the funding allocation, I'm just curious if more of the allocated funding was actually like a higher percentage was was spent actually spent in those years. Um, so I, I do, I do, I mean, everybody on, on this um, board agrees that, you know, uh, housing and homelessness are, are serious issues. And so for me, you know, outside of, of our specific purview of, you know, giving recommendations, um, when I see a gap in the money that's allocated versus the money that's spent, to me, that just is, is worrying because, you know, that's money that could actively have helped people that is just, you know, that didn't get put into um, supplies or, or programs or whatever, um, you know, was originally the concept for how to help those people. So I, I am curious to, if anybody, knows or can pull up or has experience folks who've been around longer than I have just about the percentage of, of funds um, utilized in this budget where, where it was, you know, sort of just allocated by the city versus in the past when there was a more thorough process. I might have, this is Chris, I might have longest tenure because I think Tim might have dropped off. Um, I think he's been, he was on it longer than I have, but the one, the one period I have, I think we, I think we spent 100% of the allocation is my is my recollection from in 2020. Even going back to the social service advisory board that there's ever been carryover funds. And there was and a, I don't a know larger... how old that is. How how many decades have we done social service funding and through this board, including the social service advisory board era? I don't know how far back it goes. Yeah, I don't know. Well, the Is, 
this has been Johnson, and thank you for bringing that up because I think that's a good point. The fact that we have carry forward money kind of shows, you know, the individuals that were using it in the past. I mean, I hope that everyone pays attention that this is a clear view that those organizations really did need and use that money. Thus, this year truly did impact them. Okay. B. Smith, and and you know, for me, like you know, I'm I'm involved in and have been involved in numbers of conversations about allocating funds, and I and I so and that's something that I always I always bring up in those conversations, or that is always discussed in those conversations, is does does an agency actually have the capacity to utilize the amount of funds they're given? I mean, if if I gave the community shelter a billion dollars next year, you know, it seems amazing, and obviously. Long term, it could be, but you know, do they have the staff capacity to actually utilize that money, or uh, you know, is uh, I mean, some agencies might scramble to try try and spend as much as possible. I mean, some some folks might you know just leave some money on the table because reasonably they cannot possibly um, utilize that in in a, an effective way. So it's just I think that's one of the things that goes into that decision making process. Um, and hearing from what sounds like in the past when when we were involved in the process and we were making someone's recommendations, there was never uh, seemingly never a, a, uh, at least not frequently a gap in the amount of funds allocated versus the, the funds that were spent um, versus the, the what we're looking at now where there is a significant gap, you know, the process can change and it, and it might change, but you know that alone seems like an indication that maybe you know our involvement in the past actually, you know, even though we have no power and we just give recommendations, um, maybe our, our recommendations and input, and maybe the process of RFPs and not um, and having you know agencies being given the opportunity to step up to the table and make specific requests for amounts, um, you know, that amounts that that they would be able to to reasonably spend maybe maybe there was some value there and maybe that value has been lost um and, and and really for me i i also you know the, the value that's lost is part of it and i also just ultimately you know we've talked about this a bunch of times in these meetings um where, where, where we meet uh and 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 discuss the process uh, i just don't ultimately understand what, what value is gained from having our our input removed from the process um the, the lack of transparency is definitely an issue. And I feel like every time we ever talk about these things, I always try and draw a distinction between um, having an issue with the process and lack of transparency and all those things and the actual outcomes. Um, you know, these organizations are great. Um, and, uh, you know, funding them, it, it makes does make sense. Um, but, you know, having a lack of transparency there and having us not, not have an opportunity to give our input um, I, I don't really see. I don't really see what that's adding to the process. Um, I, you know, we're all. None of us are getting. I realize. You know, staff time is 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 a, is a, re, a real concern. And you know, and I know. Thank. I always. You know, thank staff for being here. And I know Kurt's over there handling all the tech stuff. But um, you know, we we volunteer our time to do this. Uh, and so I don't really see what the city is gaining from not allowing us to just you know have at least. A, a modicum of of input in the process, um, and I, the lack of transparency around this and some of the other decisions that have been going on um, regarding housing. Um, you know, a lot of these fun, these funds in the budget went to uh, the camp, which 
um, you know, I think is is a necessary effort. Um, but there's been a lot of stuff that's gone on with the camp that I personally, I don't think most people in the community understand why they happened, who made the decisions. Uh, and so that lack of transparency on top of my, my concerns about the process, I am also concerned about some of the outcomes. Some of the outcomes do not seem like they've necessarily unfolded in in a, a, a very, uh, uh, you know, a, a very uh, clean, clean way. Things things got a little bit messy, and I wonder if some some more input and some more transparency could potentially be be beneficial there. And I also just I have to say that you know us as random, random uh, you know residents of Lawrence, and also folks with a lot of experience uh, uh, in, in you know nonprofits and um, social services. You know, I, I think our input is definitely, you know, the city seems like it's very interested in, in hearing from from folks who live here. Um, uh, and so so I feel like our our input as as any uh, resident input is something that the city should 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 want to hear. And, and we haven't been given the opportunity. And, and simultaneous to that, um, I, I know that, you know, yesterday the city had a uh, a listening session with uh, with landlords um, that were specifically invited to come in and give their input on potential, uh, you know, new efforts to to reduce housing discrimination. Um, and to me, you know, when homelessness is and housing is is supposed to be the the end goal we're trying to achieve, you know, I think housing discrimination is definitely something uh, that that can is can work towards that. So. It's just interesting to me that the the city is going out of their way to inv personally invite people who don't even live in our community who see housing as as an investment for them to to make money to give their input on on new new things that we could be doing to help folks who are struggling to be housed. It just seems like that that's just a, a real disconnect for me. You know, when when we're specifically we're specifically tasked, our duty is to give input, um, and we're not being given that opportunity. I, it just seems very striking that people who who are, are profiting off of the suffering of, of Lawrence residents are, are actively being invited to come and speak at length to the city commission uh, and, and we don't even get a, a say on on a on how how the special alcohol funds are, are allocated. Um, so I feel like there is potentially some value left in in this this board and our function um, and so, you know, we, obviously we're willing to meet. We're all here. We got here at 8:30. So, um, if there is still an opportunity for us to give any input prior to the allocation of funds next year, I feel like it's 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 worth uh, worth considering. And, you know, we've had special meetings before. We've we we make time for this stuff. So, uh, it's it's now 9:32. I want to I want to respect everybody's time, but we have to move on from from this topic. We have a. We, we either need to move the next agenda item to a, another board meeting or um, we need to have a quick presentation on the on the ARPA money. I'd rather go ahead and get the presentation on the ARPA money instead of doing a second meeting on that. Um, so unless anybody has any objection, can we stay say maybe another 15, 15 minutes or so to finish out the rest of this agenda? Yeah, I don't have any objection. I want to thank Dan for his comments. I agree with him completely. Um, and I think one of the really important issues that we need to address, and, I, and it's not happening in this meeting, we don't have the time, is getting back to how can, how does the city justify bypassing this board? 
you know, I don't know how the mechanics work with with having a statute. So I want this on another agenda item for a special meeting or something. Right. Um, uh, well, I have a proposal that we'll talk about as the, net, the the new in the new business section of this agenda. But okay. we, we maybe discuss that. So like to move on and, and give Danny the floor. Thank you everybody for the comments and, and Brandon and staff for comments, but I'd like to give the floor to Danny for the presentation of the, the federal ARPA funds, and just, or I guess an update on the city commission's uh, ARPA funds. Thank you. Um, I can actually make this not long. So, <laughs> um, and, and we're happy to also um, tie tie this on to, to the agenda packet. So um, can you all see my screen there? Okay, great. Um, this is just kind of an outline of the projects that the um, that the city commission went ahead and um, and uh, told us we could explore and move forward on. So uh, the first line item is uh, looking at two things. It's kind of looking at where some of those gaps were in funding that was awarded through the the um, Affordable Housing Advisory Board and where some of the applications fell in. So um, the the first few that you're seeing here, um, Flint Hills, Wheatland, um, those are actually low-income housing tax credit projects that were funded through the state that also received a smaller allocation from AHAB but we were able to make up uh, the gap here. The, um, and this is kind of, this is Leah Roslin's um, territory. So I'm just, I'm gonna, hopefully there's not too deep of questions on, on these, but um, Success by Six and uh, Centro Hispano had a, um, an application that they put in for a doula program. And that's included on here. And then um, tenants to homeowners had received some funding from the county ARP money to purchase land for affordable housing. And um, this million will help with the um, development on that land. Um, I think somebody earlier um, alluded to the DECA project um, that was included on here. Same with the Burt Nash supported and rehabilitative permanent housing. That's one where uh, they are actually still looking for a, a, a location for that. So that money is earmarked for that. Um, the next couple would be um, more staffing, um, staffing related. We, uh, we are uh, interested in contracting with a um, community engagement specialist to just really be focused on this space of, of homeless programs and, and affordable housing and housing initiatives. Um, the, that component of it really, really is a full-time job. And that's, that's something that, that we need to be better at. And we definitely understand that. Um, that also includes a, a street outreach provider. Um, one of the uh, one of the challenges that the that the homeless programs team has had is we've been in a very reactive space and having to to do a lot of of outreach ourselves and case management and 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 working directly um, in client services. So this this is to kind of help um, help bridge the gap of, of of kind of where some of that is lacking. Um, 
It also is to bridge us through to a, a separate application that we had submitted with the Kansas Statewide Homeless Coalition for some additional street outreach team. So this is this was a, a, a shorter term, a shorter term ask to bridge us to when that other funding would potentially be awarded. Um, the yeah, did Mandy, did you? I have a couple questions and I don't want them to pile up too deep before I ask them. Um, how many units, how many affordable units will be in these uh, development projects? The two from Kresnik and the one from the out of town folks. Um, I, I will have to get back with you guys on that. I want to say that one was 48 and one was 24. Like, I mean, they're, they're a good amount of. Good. Are they fully you. affordable housing or are they like some market rate retail on the bottom kind of like I, I, there may be some element of of mixed use in there um I would I would have to go back and look I, I apologize like I said that is that's that that's Leah's piece um do but, you know is there a timeline on the affordable housing like he'll keep them affordable for the length like the requirement for the tax credits and after yeah, that they'll so go the, to market rate the tax credits are um, originally 15 years, and then you can extend that to 30 years. So um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe both of those projects do have 30-year affordability periods on them. So um, and the, then the tenants to homeowners piece would be permanently affordable. For sure, sure. Yeah. Um, and then you mentioned an application. I'm so excited. I love I love Richmonder and the Duelist Project. So um, just like we keep saying about housing, like we're all for this stuff. Um, you said there was an application. I, I probably used the wrong word there. It was it was a proposal. Um, uh, Rich had had submitted it after after seeing that item on the agenda. So it it was something separate. Okay, so I I sort of reached out, you know, like in the board capacity at the same time. You know, we saw like oh eight point three million, eight point four million, whatever it was, and ARPA and this board was told early twenty twenty two that if this the city received enough state and federal ARPA money to fund the housing initiatives work that we would be given our 770 back to move forward with. So that was another way that the, I, I feel like the staff and commission kind of put us off, you know, like kept giving us hope. We would get this money back. We just got to wait and see. We got to wait and see. So when it was December 6th or whatever, and um, there's 8.3 that we're scrambling to spend, it seemed very appropriate for us to get that those funds back. So I reached out at that time, um, which I'm assuming is the same time that, that Rich read, reached out. Um, and it was not communicated that there was a process or an application or anything. Like, could we have said to these nonprofits that weren't funded in 2022 that, that maybe they could reach out also and make this accessible and equitable, which is what we've been asking for for the last year and a half to like make this really transparent and be like, hey, this money is available and you don't have to be an insider watching all the meetings, playing politics, knowing the game, you know, knowing who to call to be to get funding, you know. Um, so it was just sort of by chance that that, that happened. Um, well, I mean, I I can only you know speak to the the two meetings on December sixth and December twentieth. Mm -hmm. December sixth, the agenda item went out. Um, we were the 
the proposal for Rich's project was submitted as an agenda attachment. Mm. The city commission on the 6th kind of put a, a pause on making any decisions. Yeah. Yeah. And and had and Brandon, you can correct me if I'm wrong, if, if I'm mistaken here, but I think at that time they didn't commit either way to taking applications or or not taking applications. But I think they wanted to give the public the ability to, uh, you know, to to kind of do what Rich did and, and submit proposals. And I, Brandon, do you want to? That's that's how I remember it as well. Yeah. Are there questions or do you want me to, to move on here? I think we can keep moving on. Thank you. Um, the uh, the second part of that number four item uh, does also include some additional staffing capacity for winter shelter. Um, we, uh, we have been running into uh, some issues obtaining volunteers. And so we, we're really trying to make sure that we've got adequate paid staff that, that can cover all the shifts that we need. So uh, we're getting there. We, we've hired quite a few quite a few folks and, and we want to bring some more in. This also um, would uh, would help if we do have a, a situation where there's a winter emergency shelter overflow that we need to look at. Um, so that's that is that item. The city commission tabled the request for an updated housing needs assessment and market analysis. The, the last one had been done in 2018, and obviously a lot has happened since 2018. So the thought was um, that it would be it would be a, a good a good idea to try to get a handle on where that's changed at this point. And then um, the last project is one that um, is is still very much something that, that we are working on because there is a lot of moving parts and pieces to it. Um, but it would be a, a modular shelter project for um, unsheltered individuals and families in our community. Um, we're looking at land for um, a location. We're looking at um, these modular units, which include heat, air, um, the, the communities that you can build around them include restrooms, laundry. Um, it, it really is a... Um, a community and village type place. Uh, that would be uh, also something where we would have other um, other agencies be able to provide services at that location. So, you know, Heartland Radac, DECA, Burt Nash, like, you know, all, all of our partners that, that have a hand in the work with this population. So um, more definitely more to come on that one. That's one that, that folks are going to see multiple times here as we're as we're you know kind of getting through the the finer points of of what that project looks like so that is that is what we're we're looking at as our medium term solution um we've kind of had to look at things as short term medium term and then longer term obviously being adequate um supportive housing for available for all so there there is a a three to five year kind of gap from from where we are and when that will be available that that we need to have something to provide so um one more that, question yeah. danny mm -hmm. um community special uh, community engagement specialist um there was a 
like a citywide position on community engagement in the budget for 2022. Was that ever filled? It was, yes. That that was filled. This this one would be just for mm -hmm. the the housing and homeless programs. And it's currently filled that position? Uh the the city position? Uh -huh. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And this position would work very closely with our city communications team. Mm -hmm. uh, but but yeah, this this would be where their focus is. Thank you. Yeah. I don't have any more questions. Yeah. I'm giving us two minutes. So there's no no other further questions on this. Uh, Annie, appreciate your presentation and thoroughness on this. If anybody has any other questions, we'll move on to new business. All right, hearing none. So I have, I have two items for new business, and, and anybody else can also bring up. First item um, is the board, uh, the makeup of the board. Currently, we have one open position, and it's the United Way liaison. Uh, Mandy was filling that United Way liaison position. Do we have, I assume that Mandy's now an at-large member and that we mm -hmm. need to, to fill the United Way liaison position. Yeah, I can speak to that, Chris. Um, I do believe my replacement will start on Monday. Um, okay. So uh, we can have city staff or or somebody reach out to that individual um, about, about joining our next meeting. Um, so I think we we can fill that by the next meeting. Um, and just to put it out there on the record, because we got such a runaround when Dan left the United Way seat on this board and I took it, and then we acted like Dan had to be reappointed and we couldn't have a quorum and we missed a whole bunch of meetings at the end of last year. Um, I wanna just put it out there. I was appointed not in the United Way seat originally. So there's no way we can say that I have to be kicked off and reappointed and we can't have meetings because we don't have a quorum moving forward since we've been through it already. So Brandon, do you mind reaching out to United Way to, to connect with them to, to point their, their liaison for this board? Um, I can do that. Uh, I, I'm not trying to give you the runaround, Mandy, but um, I just, I just want to make sure that, I mean, the city commission has a, a policy for how uh, board positions are appointed. So I haven't reviewed it um, in terms of how to fill this position, but I just want to make sure that we uh, do so consistent with that policy. So so it may, it may require uh, a mayoral nomination and um, approval of the city commission. I just... I haven't reviewed it for that uh, purpose specifically. I can't imagine. I, I, I will I send. I originally appointed in that seat in this seat that it would, and it, and I didn't have to be reappointed to take the United Way seat, so I shouldn't have to be reappointed to take my old seat back. I'm I'm not suggesting that. I'm uh, just making sure that uh, to fill the vacant position, we follow. Um, oh sure, the, sure. The ordinance yeah. or resolution. So yeah. I will. I, I'll research that um, and see if we can uh, talk to the mayor about it as well. And then I will um, update the board uh, by email just to let you know kind of what we decide needs to happen procedurally. Perfect. Uh, second item, um, as, as we mentioned earlier about wanting to move forward in a, in a, in a way that, it, that we're all productive and, and part of the process, I, I, would, I would like to propose that potentially that we have a, a board retreat that 
we can listen to city staff and housing initiative, the housing department of how, how the current process is actually done. And, and I know what, I know we have an issue with everybody gathering and being an open meeting. And my, my goal would be to not necessarily make this about take, doing business as a board, but hearing how the, understanding how this works. We're not limited on an amount of time that everybody has, but everybody committing a longer period of time of understanding what the process is, what the outcomes are, what is the response, everything that goes into this process. And then we as a, as a board can have a board meeting and we can consume that information and come back with some proposals as to here's how we can effectively be part of this process moving forward. I'm open for, and I want to make this pretty quick, but um, anybody have any opinions or, or thoughts on that? Or Brandon, is that, is that something that we can do that happened to be an open meetings act or open meeting? Yes, I, advisory, I think it's actually a, a good practice for advisory boards to do retreats, um, goal setting and, and such. So we can help, uh, city staff can help um, identify dates that work for the board members uh, and get that scheduled for you. Okay, that'd be fantastic. I like I like that idea, Chris. Um, and I, I lost it, crap. It had something to do with Dan. Oh, the timeline on that, what's that committee you're on, Dan? I, I just call it the committee committee. It's, it's, it's the, the committee committee. I, I'm terrible. I'm, I, the name is is actually really difficult to uh, to remember. I can look it up though. I'm sure yeah. I'm sure Brandon knows. Yeah, I'm on, that, I'm on that committee as well. Yeah. Just a committee to make decisions on committees. Good enough. Um, yeah. So, can you tell us more about that timeline, Brandon? Um, with with this board, I think we've had an ongoing fear that will be dissolved before we can finish our business. I think, uh, and Chris or Dan, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's a four-month timeline that that committee is trying to accomplish its work in. And no boards will be dissolved before that's done. Um, no, not that I'm aware of. Uh, in you know, the committee's not necessarily wasn't formed to dissolve boards. It was to make recommendations uh, to make the whole you know 40 plus advisory board structure more effective and better aligned with um, the city's strategic plan. So. But this is Chris, we, we don't have, we don't have any, anything, any, any act actions to be taken as a commit as a advisory committee at this point in time. So uh, we could, we could postpone a retreat until the point in time in which we know whether, whether this is going to be dissolved if that's what you're proposing, but I would propose that we we just have a retreat and if it, if it happens, it happens. No, I want to move faster so we aren't dissolved before we can do work. Gotcha. All right, so sit, Brandon will work towards uh, getting that put together for us. Anybody else have any new business that they want, they have for this committee? I, I don't have any new business, but I do want to comment um, on the Lawrence Times article. There's a quote from Porter in there um, that I just want to acknowledge really conflicts with the information we've been provided over the last year. Um, if everybody hasn't had a chance to read it, I hope I hope you'll look it over. Um, and it really goes uh, back to to the the lack of transparency and honesty that this board has experienced over the last year. Um, and I'd like to we can carry that forward to our retreat or next meeting. 
Yeah, and let's, let's carry that forward to the next retreat or to the retreat. I think that, that'll be helpful and effective as, as we try to figure out how we move forward with, with it. But, um, so if no other new business, let's move on to if there's any public comment, if there's anybody online or um, anybody on site with Brandon as it relates to public comment. Yeah, nobody here, and I'm not seeing anybody else online, Chris. All right. Well, we will close public comment at this time and uh, make a entertain a motion to adjourn uh, the City Alcohol Tax Advisory Committee. Chris, uh, this Dean will be Smith. I'm going to interject before before you adjourn. I'm going to interrupt your adjournment just to, as always, it is literally every meeting. Just thank thank the rest of you for volunteering to be on the committee, uh, and then also to legitimately thank the the staff who are here. I feel like these meetings, compared to other meetings I'm in, often seem more like uh, you know combative or or, or whatever. But um, hopefully. Uh, everyone understands that we really appreciate them. Uh, I mean, you're, you're giving us a lot of time to air grievances and, and everything. And, you know, our our goal, I think the goal of everybody who's involved in this this this, uh, this board and the city staff is literally the same goal. You know, we, we all want to see these positive changes happen. So uh, if, if anything that, that we said, uh, you know, made you you made your day a little bit harder as a, a city staff person, you know, per, personally, uh, an, an apology there and just know that you're appreciated and especially Kurt, who's in the back. I know you're there, Kurt. But, uh, that, that's all I'll say. Um, but then, yeah, I will, I will motion to adjourn if we need one. Great, Dan, thank you. So, um, second that motion. We have a motion to second to adjourn. We have it. all in favor? Aye. Aye. Oh, same sign. Hearing none, we'll adjourn this meeting. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, staff. We appreciate everybody's time and, and commitment to this board. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Happy New Year. You too.